Hi everyone, welcome to the Marketing Ideas That Connect show. Building your brand online, I'm your host, Gary Bolt. We are produced and sponsored by the digital marketing agency, Famous Digital Media. You can visit their website at famousmedia.co.za. They offer turnkey online marketing and brand management service solutions centered on the principles of inbound marketing, which is what we talk about every week, the nature of inbound marketing. So welcome to episode 130. These episodes are published on a monthly basis and really we are here to add value to your business and all about digital marketing as I said. So today we're talking to the CEO of Rate and Reward, Brenda for Mark. Brenda, welcome to the show. Hi Gary, thank you for inviting me and um, allowing me this opportunity. Um, your show is great and I often listen to your podcasts. Well Brenda, it's great to have you in the studio today and uh, I know that we've worked together on some projects and it's been very good working with you. Just tell us, I've got about 12 questions here for you today. Just tell us about what is your core business and what have you been focusing on lately? My background is financial and you know, I sat back and thought, what is needed in the marketplace? Because there's quite a number of people that offer the services of providing um, structure, disciplines and procedures in companies. Being at a few different companies over the past few years, something that really came out quite a lot um, and made me see, well, there's a gap in the market for this and I should focus uh, energy on that. And that is coaching and mentoring key leaders in companies, identifying gaps in a, in a business and providing recommendations. Thirdly, assisting and supporting companies to ensure that the leaders and the staff are aligned to the same vision and that the expectation of the companies are met at all times. Brenda, I think yeah, it's interesting what you do and what I've seen you do for certain companies. There's really a need to get, I think, just the, the corporate governance and the finance governance and the GAAP principles in line because there's a lot of reporting that we get from companies that we consult to and um, the reports just aren't right and the cost of sales issues and there's expense accounts issues. So I think what you do is very important to, for a business owner to get someone like you involved to make sure that at least their finances are in order and the reports are right. So... Um, yeah, it's good to have you here. Let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go straight ahead with the questions. Tell me, Brenda, who's your target market? Gary, the market that I'm targeting is medium-sized companies, so 20 uh, employees or more. Brenda, you, you talk about, you know, in your, you, obviously your business is rate and rewards with a focus. I know that you focus a lot on finance, but you, you're one, of your, one of your headers is culture drives performance. Does this, is this really true? And what, what is so important about the statement that you make? Gary, definitely. Um, I've worked with many companies and most times I found that it, if the staff are not being productive, it is due to the fact that they are demotivated for many different reasons. When the staff feel recognized for their achievements, the culture and morale in a company start to change for the positive. Well, I suppose they always say that culture will eat strategy. So I suppose, like you say, culture is probably the most important thing and it's the leadership obviously drives that. And Brenda, you, you talk a lot about obviously your business depends or revolves around KPAs and KPIs, keeping everybody on track. Tell us about these, these metrics. 
Okay, your KPA is key performance areas. So, and then your KPI is your activity and the and activities linked with a deadline as um, how you're going to meet the KPA. So what we do, it's a scorecard where you can measure um, the performance, measure what is required from the this employee and then um, assess where they're at. So talking about assessments, I want to ask you about that because I've seen you implement these structures and it takes time and it's quite a process actually to sit down and go through everybody's you know what's important to them and and it's it's it, it is a process tell us about these appraisals how often should you do them and what does that entail the appraisal says once you've got the scorecard in place now remember the employees will actually they part of the whole process and they have to buy into what is on that scorecard and once they've bought into it and they've agreed these are the, the tasks that they need to perform and these are the deadlines that they need to meet, and it's very clear. It's, for example, you need to do it by Friday 9 o'clock. Um, so there's no gray area. When you, um, the measuring, when it comes to rating their performance, I would say it depends on the urgency of, of the job, the task at hand. If the person is, if it's something that's going to take a month for them to do and get on track, then I'd say measure them monthly and after that once everybody's aligned and everything is running smoothly, then you can do it every quarter. If you have someone in a position like a company I'm working with now, it's very important because this person's deadlines are daily and they're not meeting those deadlines. So what we're doing is we're actually measuring them on a weekly basis just to get them into the flow of what is expected and to get them to adhere to the, this new procedure that has been put in place. Brenda, you know, we always talk about Pareto's law, which is the 80-20 rule and where, you know, at 20% of your staff do 80% to the work. So tell us, you know, we're always interested, what about the 80%? Why aren't they working? And uh, what would you say from what you see? Is it a lack of motivation? Is it a lack of engagement with the staff? What, what, do, you, what do you see the problem? Gary, from my experience, it's both. Um, because if there's not, um, the leaders aren't engaging properly with their, or on a, on a regular basis with the staff, the staff tend to not know exactly where they stand and then they become demotivated. In bigger companies that I've worked with, staff have felt that they are just a number, that they don't really mean anything and their opinions don't mean anything and that they never recognize for what they do. So they just expect to come to work and do their job and go home. Whereas, so it's a bit of both. One thing, Brenda, when we worked together on another project, a consulting project we did a while back, I saw the people that were actually lazy and didn't want to work, didn't really like this, but the, the good people actually liked this. And what it, what it meant is that they get to work, they know exactly what they have to do and what they're going to be scored on. So I saw it as quite a positive thing, but the implementation is quite difficult. Tell me, and, and Brenda, just the scoring system that you work on. I know it's a two. you were talking three out of five and two out of five and... Tell us how that scoring system works with when you do when you implement the system. So, Gary, to go back to what you uh, originally said, mentioned about um, you know the lazy staff not working. It's exactly that. The people who do not, who aren't really putting in much effort, will be they will 
fight against is they'll resist the, this KPA method of working because they will, it will now come to the surface that they're not bringing their side. Where the ones that are actually working hard, they normally are quiet people who are introverts. And now it gives an, them an opportunity to shine. When it comes to the rating, it's between one and five. It's a standard rating uh, method that is used in, in the industry. So one being really not doing what they, doing nothing actually. And number five is they exceeding all their, everything that is required from them, they're exceeding all their deadlines, they exceeding the expectations um, that the company has f from them. Can I say then that if they score a good score, when, it's, when it comes time to increase or to bonus, give bonuses or award some type of incentive, then your scoring system is exactly related to the incentive or the bonus. Is that how you link it together? Is that the incentive around doing this? Yes, you can. We encourage um, companies to implement some incentive, some form of incentive, because ideally you want the staff to get to a rating of three. Three means that they are just meeting the requirements. So they are just meeting what they were appointed to do and they are earning their salary. Anyone who rates a four or a five, you will not consistently get a five on everything you're doing because then that means there's no room for improvement. So one does need to be fairly strict when you um, rating an employee. Be fair and reasonable, but be strict. Because remember, if the bar is low, then they're going to get a five quite easily and everybody's going to be getting incentives. And that's not what you want. You really do want them to go the extra mile. Because for you to grow the business, for leaders to grow their business and be more productive, uh, reach their capacities, you need to have quite a, st a strict method of rating their performance. So could I, let me say it like this, if I'm a leader and I see some of the guys are scoring and some of the, the team is scoring well, when it comes to the increase or the incentive, it's easier for me to manage that because I can refer back to your system and say, but you did not score very well, therefore. So it's, it's almost like justifying my actions when it comes to the increase or incentive. So that, that's, how, that's the reason for doing it, am I right? That's correct, Gary, and it, there's no gray area. It's clear. It's, I've had um, leaders ask me, but you know, what if the manager favors somebody in the, in the team and gives them a high rating? In this method of our, our scorecard, you cannot, favoritism won't come into play here because for every activity that is listed, there's a report to verify that that work was done on time and how well that work was done. So now favoritism doesn't come into it. It makes it more reasonable, it makes it fair towards the employee. And then if you find someone who's underperforming, like in the beginning stages when we implement this, you then have to support that person. Make sure they've got the right tools to do their job to the best of their ability and make sure they have the support. Make sure that they know what they're supposed to do. And then with the, if the company can prove and show that they have supported the, the employee by giving them the right tools and assistance, then they should excel from there. Brenda, just the opposite of that, 
if someone's underperforming, I can actually use this system to either give them to justify warnings and disciplinaries and counseling or actually get them out. Is that what you're saying? This will be a tool to actually you know, to work someone out if they're not in the right place. Yes, definitely. Because sometimes, you know, we do put um, square, try and put square pegs into round holes. And in this way, we will identify where the strings lie and should they move somewhere else. When it comes to you wanting to pay them, you will then see that um, they are consistently performing. Uh, Brenda, tell me, you know, in the current situation where we find ourselves where a lot of people are now working from home or remote or there's a lot of terminology going around, but people are working from home. So they, let's say this, they're working off-site. Would your system of KPAs and KPIs and the structure you put into the workforce and how you measure them, would this be appropriate to say it would help a company with remote staff? What is your, what is your reaction to that? It will help. I must say this, if you haven't been able to manage your staff on-site, then you're most likely not going to be able to manage them off-site. So the ideal um, a recommended solution to this would be that you actually identify exactly what you require and your expectations from the employee working remotely. And yes, once it's all in place, and there's regular meetings to make sure that they're on par with their, their scorecard. From there on, it's a, a very good tool to measure the st staff who are working remotely. And I think there's a benefit to that. I think it makes a lot of sense to a lot of leaders now that are asking the question, how do we control the, the, the performance or the productivity if someone's work, working at home? But if you've got guidelines and a clear or a clear boundary on what you have to do every day, then I suppose, does it really matter if they work at home? If they've got that structure around them and there's deliverables that are in place, then it's not about how long you work. It's about, well, did you achieve the outcome or the deliverable that's in your KPI? So I think it's, I think it's actually going to really help leaders to control their productivity from people working off-site. So I, I think it's a positive, quite a positive thing. Brenda, the next question here is, Say so now, I think, no, that sounds good. Uh, I've got a workforce of 50, and uh, say work on 50, and I'd like to go ahead with you. Uh, how and tell me how long is this going to take? Gary, the actual phase one would mean that I first have an interview. The time would differ, okay? To actually implement the scorecards does not take that long. For 50 people, it would probably take six to eight weeks. However, it's changing behavior that takes time. So once a scorecard is in place, and that's a short period of time, now we need to change the behavior of those employees because they're used to doing things a certain way. Now we're going to mold them and shape them into the direction that the leaders want to go. And if you have people, which from my experience, there's always a small percentage of the staff who don't, who resist the change, what they see as change, but it's not really change, it's just getting them to do what they were appointed to do. Um, but now we need to grow them, nurture them, support them, coach them into following the direction that the leaders um, want to go and the direction that the leaders of the business want to go into. So those few, the ones who are 
happy with this and uh, embrace the, the new the change, let's call it change for the purpose of this conversation, they will, that will be fine and they will come on, on board immediately. But the few that you have that don't want to, and from my experience, the few that resist the, um, the, the change, they take time, it takes time to get them on board. And it's normally people in a leader, in a management position. And so now we have to work with them in a slightly different way. We'll start off with the mentoring, the coaching, the assisting making sure that they understand what they, they're supposed to do. And then also in a way that they, they embrace it and they take ownership and re responsibility. That can take a bit of time. It would take about three months to get them on board. Because, I mean, in that period of time, you're also going to get to a point where we need to be more assertive. And say, so, okay, you know what? It's been two months now. There's no improvement. We don't see progress. Um, what do we need to do? How do we need to help you to do what you're supposed to do? Put the ball in their court. And this is part of the coaching part of it. Um, if after three months they are still not coming to the party, then they're probably not the right people for that position. I suppose, Brenda, we always say the number one skill is, to, is the ability to deal with people. And I think to change behavior, and we've seen it in some of your projects, it, sometimes it can go a bit faster. Other times there's resistance to change, and changing behavior is a difficult thing for many people. So it's not, a, it's not an easy task that you have, I don't think. Brenda, tell us, you know, you and I worked on that rewards program, uh, that cloud-based. Tell us why do you think someone should have that installed? I, I, I personally think it's a good thing. Just your view of that, that cloud, the recognition program and the rewards program. Gary, I like the rewards program and the recognition because, as I said earlier, most of the times staff are telling me that they are just a number. Now, with our rewards program, it allows peer recognition. So one uh, person can say thanks to another employee just by saying, you know what, thank you for tidying up, for example. Thank you for tidying up after the meeting we had and making sure the office was clean and tidy and the cups were put away and things like that. Just saying thank you to them makes them feel important and give, brings about a good feel in that person's mood. And then we go further where the managers can give a small financial reward. And we're saying don't give more than 200 Rand. You know, give between 50 and 200 Rand, which is in the form of a gift voucher. And those vouchers, we have approximately 40 service providers um, where they can, to whom they can redeem their voucher. And those could be like um, Vodacom, MTN, Sol C, because some people might need data or they might need airtime. Others might want to save their vouchers and redeem it with Woolworths and buy themselves a treat. Others may want to go to a restaurant and pay for a dinner. Someone else may want to save towards buying a washing machine. You know, okay, it's small amounts, it's going to take time to, to get together that value. But each person has their own 
personal requirements and our service providers have covered for all sorts of needs and um, the, the staff member can redeem the voucher where they feel best. So I think that is important. You know, if a manager then um, uh, identifies and nominates someone for a voucher, you could put another a second approval in place where maybe the HR manager, if there is one in the company, looks and says, you know what, I do believe that this person should get a financial reward, but I don't think 200, maybe let's make it 150. And then there's always limits that you put in place and everything. So someone, a manager can't favor someone or know they, they need the money and constantly give them a reward. It's, there's limits that are in place. So the HR would be the second approval, brings the amount down slightly and everyone is happy. But with our award program, it goes via, there'll be emails that go through to all the staff's um, email addresses saying, oh, you know what, Gary was recognized for this, or Brenda was recognized for that. And then people, there's a healthy competition that, that arises, because now someone that's not um, participating will feel, golly, you know, I haven't got any rewards, and these my, the rest of my team are doing so well, and being, I better shape up, you know. Let me also do something to get recognized. So we just want to lift the morale of people and let people feel they want to go to work. They look forward to going to work. They're excited to do their jobs. They love what they're doing. And now on top of it all, they're getting recognized for what they're doing. Brenda, I must say when I was involved in the one case study with about 30 people and once, and the, some of the rewards were just, they actually weren't rewards, they were just recognizing them for customer service or leadership and when they I saw big smiles in the offices when they just got some recognition it wasn't even monetary and I thought that was quite amazing to see the reaction of some of the staff where they actually got recognized for what they did it was it was very cool I, I quite enjoyed it and I, I saw the power of the program and uh, I know that's something that you implement and it's very good maybe you know it's, you can do more of that I think it'll make a difference in many companies just Brenda the ne just uh, next question is Tell us a quick case study on, on something that you've done, something that you've done recently. Just tell us a, something that you did a successfully completed case study. Well, Gary, you know, whenever you go into, each time I've gone into a new company, you must know that there, there may be casualties, okay? You may identify one or two people in the company who just don't come on board. And a case study that I had recently which really warmed my heart was a, a rehab center. The people were working in a, um, in a different industry and with me going in I prepared the staff, laid the foundation and got, gave them all new KPAs which were in alignment with the vision for the, the rehab. And it was so amazing just to see the people embraced the change. There was one person who was against it, which was once again a person in a management in a leader position um, who had influence over the other staff members. But very soon, you know, as soon as the KPA was put into place, um, the person said, you know, they don't want to um, follow any procedures and that they want to do things when they want to do them. That person was very soon um, actually resigned and left the company. 
But the remaining team of the staff, which was about 20 people, they embraced it. And I'm telling you, it was such a fun exercise. I got so much um, satis job satisfaction out of helping these people because, you know, it's also elevating people, just lifting them and bringing them to their, their true potential. And these people went the extra mile. I mean, I would help them put systems and procedures in place, and they would do the extra bit. And very soon, um, the structure and the disciplines were in place, and people were just beaming. You know, they were just full of smiles all the time. They were so happy and proud of their work. They couldn't wait to see me the next day to say, Brenda, just come and have a look what I did Yeah, I put these stock sheets into place and look yeah, you know, it's so quick now. Now we see what we need and what we, we don't have and it minimized their losses. You know, people became more productive. Capacity was reached um, to more than expectation and the, the losses were cut. You know, expenses were just started to become more, fall more in line with budget. And it was so fantastic just to see how the people in themselves grew and developed. So by the time the rehab doors opened, I, I was so proud of these people, you know. I just couldn't wait for them to, to shine and show off what they've done. Brenda, I actually visited you there and, and I was witness to that. I saw such a good attitude and such a... People enjoyed what they were doing. They were, they were measured. They were rewarded. I must say you did very well there. And uh, it was a good... We talk about culture in the beginning. It was such a good culture, and I could just see that there was clarity of where they're going, what they had to do. So, yeah, that was a very good project you did. Uh, Brenda, just to start wrapping up, you know, you, I know we spoke about, earlier we spoke about the, the, the CEO Academy that we've actually both been working on, and I see it's, you know, you and I have launched it online, and that, that's, tell us this focus for the next year. Tell us about that Academy and your focus in, in this 2020 as we come out of this lockdown situation. Gary, this is a very exciting because as I mentioned to you earlier, that from my experience going into companies, it's always been a head of a department who's been a bit of a stickler, you know, who hasn't wanted to really comply and work with us. And now with the CEO Academy that, that you and I have identified this need, now it gives us an opportunity to work with those people you know, on an individual basis. Let's take them, grow them, elevate them, develop them to their full potential. Um, and we've already taken on some of these tasks where companies have asked, you know what, I've identified, the leader has identified someone in the company who has the potential and who can actually assist them in taking this uh, business into the future and growing it, developing it, and making it very more productive. And being granted the opportunity to mentor and coach such people has just been amazing because they've also embraced it. Firstly, they are so happy, they, they are happy that they've been recognized, number one, by their leaders. Secondly, that they've been given the opportunity to take on such a huge responsibility. And what I found with yourself and, and myself working with these um, staff members is that we can now put some of the wisdom 
the experience, the knowledge that we've gained over our years of working, onto, we can part that knowledge onto those people. And it's amazing. I mean, the results have been just amazing. Brenda, you say it very well. I say it, we're going to teach people how to take a commercial punch in the face. But anyway, that, that's from my side. <laughs> I must say, Brenda, you're very kind, but you can also be very tough and strong when, when you need to be. Brenda, just to start wrapping up now, tell us, just tell, you know, we're, there are a lot of leaders listening to the show. Just the greatest lesson that you've learned over the last, I don't know, a couple of years in business, because you've, you've, you've been up, you've been down, you've worked on big companies, you've, you've moved on to smaller companies, you've done so much in your career and you've really helped a lot of people. What is the greatest lesson that you've learned? Gary, the greatest lesson I've learned, look, I pray a lot for patience and guidance, and therefore the Lord has blessed me with patience. But my biggest lesson that I've learned personally is to stay in my lane. Because, you know, I'm so passionate about what I'm doing, and I'm so eager to get companies aligned, get the, the staff members aligned with the vision that the leader has that sometimes I, I would get very involved you know um, so what I've learned from this is with the scorecards we're teaching everyone to stay in their lane focus on what they're doing you're still a team player but focus on what you're doing first when you've done what you need to do then you can help the rest of your team to do what they're doing and so for me, I've had to consciously keep myself in my lane and mentor and coach them and not do the work. Does that answer your question? Yes, I see. we talk a lot about that, Brenda. That's right. I think all of us like it. Don't, don't carry the, trial, the ball to the trial line with the person. Let them, they must, don't even go on the field. They must take the ball themselves to the trial line or they're not the right people. And I think we both, fall in, we both have, have the, we've learned those things. And Brenda, just in closing, a last question for today is, what's your message to leaders out there? I would say to all leaders, be bold, be brave, look after your staff. You know, you know where you want to go, you want to grow your business, you want to, um, you want to perform on the world-class platform. So you need to surround yourself with strong people. Get rid of the deadwood and recognize those who are actually helping and taking your business into the future. Well, that's very good advice. Brenda, just give us your email address. My email address is brenda at rateandreward.co.za. And you can also find Brenda at LinkedIn at Rate and Reward and Facebook. So give her a like, give her a comment. She's doing great work out there. It's really a, it's a privilege and a pleasure to work with Brenda on some of these projects. And uh, yeah, Brenda, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Gary. Have a fantastic Thursday further. Yes, you too. To wrap up, our acronym for today is HVCO. I must say, I read a book the other day, I've never heard of this one before, but it means high value content offer. What are you offering or what high value content are you putting out there to attract attention? So HVCO. For more episodes, you can find us on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. Search for Marketing Ideas That Connect. And if you've enjoyed this episode, you can give us a comment or a like. It helps us to share content. We really enjoy talking about these topics. You can follow Famous Digital Media on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, the whole lot. To read more about some of the, what we're blogging about. And the next one is uh, how to audit a website and why you should audit a website. That's going to be released now. 
So just go to famousmedia.co.za and go to the blog page. There's some very interesting, well-researched topics there, and we're going to talk about it soon as well, of just why you should uh, look after your website. It is your digital home or your digital shopfront after all. All links can be found in the show notes. Just check the show notes out. All the information is there. So until next time, stay hungry, think big, and honor God.